You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. Let me do a little review. We've been talking about Romans chapter 12. So turn there, if you would, by the way. And we've also used 1 Corinthians 12, 13, actually 12 and 14 mainly, but 13's in among those. Um, so you can turn there also, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and uh, we have been talking about, for by grace you have been gifted, not just saved, but by the unmerited favor of God, God has given you gifts to be used in this church. And he doesn't ask you to use them as children. Uh, Christy, when, when our kids were younger, and Christy would talk to our kids, and she's a lot sweeter than I am, and she would talk to the little kids. She said, now you need to go to bed, okay? And uh, you need to go to bed, okay? And so uh, I'd get on to her and say, don't ask them if it's okay. But she would do that. I understand. I did it too. But, but we do that, uh, you know, let's negotiate. It ain't no negotiation. Either go to bed or get your, tie, uh, your, uh, uh, your, your high tanned. We will get it in a minute. I mean, there's just no negotiation. I don't want to eat that tonight. I don't want to eat my vegetables and my regular food. I want ice cream. But guess what? Now you're going to have to eat your vegetables and your meat and your other thing, and you're not going to get ice cream at all for that little rebellious uh, little uh, stint. No. We're the parents. That's the problem with a lot of people. They, they want to be friends with their kids or, or uh, let their kids, well, I want my kid to be able to make his own decisions. Well, they can't when they're little. Did, did you make them brush their teeth? Did you make them wear clothes when they go out in public? I mean, did you do these things? And so that's what well, I want to tell you something. It's the same way with God. God doesn't negotiate with his children. God doesn't give you an invitation to serve him. Now, you may not do it, but you're going to bring the wrath of God, not the wrath of God, but you're going to bring the punishment of God down on your head if you do not do what God has gifted you to do in his church. That's why you folks and I ought to be scared for these people who say they're Christians and have joined our church and they never do a thing in this church. We ought to be fearful for them because they are going to experience the punishment of God because He loves His children and He's not going to let you get away with rebellion. Now, my friend, if you do this, if you consistently rebel against God, you're probably not saved. If you refuse to use your giftings and callings in the church, you don't know Jesus. You do not have the Spirit of God in you that makes you cry out, Abba, Father. 
If you know Christ, you're going to have a longing. You're going to have a... Listen, you're going to be like Jeremiah. You may get mad at the church. You may get mad at situations. I don't know what it is in your life that's caused you to quit serving Jesus, but you're going to be like Jeremiah. I was going to stop preaching. I wasn't going to do this. I'm, I'm, quote, I'm uh, paraphrasing Jeremiah. I wasn't going to speak again for the Lord. I wasn't going to prophesy. But then he said, but it was like fire shut up in my bones and I could not hold back. My friend, you didn't join a club. If you know Jesus, a miracle has happened in you. You have been changed. The Bible says your old man is dead and you have been made alive in Christ. And the Bible calls the gospel the power of the gospel, which is the word dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite. As I've told you before, let me light a stick of dynamite, drop it down in your pocket and see if it don't change your life. You can't take the Holy Spirit of God and drop it down into a human soul and it not change your life and make you listen. You're going to want to do righteous. You're going to to want to forsake unrighteousness. You want to go forward towards heaven and you're going to want to leave hell. You're going to want to quit serving Satan and self and you're going to want to start serving Jesus and God and do what this book says. It's just what happens. It's just what the Bible says. I want to tell you even the gospel, the gospel is not an invitation. We talk about this all the time, the invitation. No, my friend, the Bible says the gospel is a command. Repent, he says. Not would you please repent. God doesn't, you know, I appreciate apologetics, but God doesn't spend much time on apologetics. He just says, here it is, this is the way it is. Now, you're going to do it to your own glory, or you're not going to do it to your own demise. He just does it. That's the way it is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. He didn't explain it. He just told us that. Well, anyway, here we go. So that's what we've been talking about, using spiritual gifts and doing, finding our niche, if you would, if you want to use that language in the church. Uh You say, Brother Ron, why do you sing all the time? Because God gave me the talent to do it. He's called me to do it. He's given me the giftings to do it. I don't do it for glory. I really don't. I try my best not to have pride because people love good singing. They want to tell you how wonderful it is, you know, and and all this. It can be a pride-building thing, but I honestly do it because, listen, there's times I didn't want to sing. There's times I didn't want to come up here and play the piano. There's times, but I do it because it's my duty to do it sometimes. I don't like to do it like that, but sometimes you do it just because it's duty. Now, we talk about a gracious measure of faith. A gracious measure of faith. We have been given. If you have a talent, let me tell you something, you don't deserve it. If you have an ability, you don't deserve it. Say amen. You don't deserve to, you don't deserve to dust the bricks off this building for Jesus' sake. Why? Because you were a dirty, rotten sinner. God was eminent, ho, eminently holy. If he was to give us justice, we'd all be cast out of his presence forever. Ever. But by grace, he has given us the gift to serve him. 
Amen. So this is a gracious measure of faith. I'm going to go on to the main points, Riley. A gracious member of the... You are a gracious member of this body. You know why you're a member of Antioch East Baptist Church? Not because you chose to, to be honest with you. Because God put you in this church. God put you here. God put you here. And you're a gracious member of the body. And this body ought to be single. It ought to be, uh, uh, we have separate functions. But then we ought to, ha- ought to have spiritual unity, special and sentimental and serious relationships. I talked to this with our, young, our, our college students today. We don't truly love. Listen, if you truly loved your fellow man or your brothers in Christ, when something bad went wrong, you wouldn't pick up the phone and call somebody besides them and talk about it. Love covers a multitude of sin. What does that mean? That means they keep it private. Now, until repentance. If they don't repent, you've got to practice church discipline. But you don't go talking and gossiping about other people's sins. You try to hide it. You try them to do, do what's right. But we don't do that. I mean, how, people, how many people are on the road of this church? They never come. They never darken the doors of this church. And you have never called them or gone by to see them. And yet you know that they either they don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior or else they're fixed to experience the punishment of God. I mean, does that worry you? If we truly love someone who was about to burn their house down, we would do our best to try and stop it. And it's not the preacher's job to do it. It's all of our jobs to love. We have a special, sentimental, and serious relationship with one another. Number three, a gracious ministry of the believer. And that's where we are right now, but we've gotten into it. And what we're talking about is using spiritual gifts. Using spirit. People love to talk about spiritual gifts, and you may enjoy this. You You might enjoy this. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts. God gives everybody a ability... A talent, I think those are all gifts. I do not believe, I do not believe that the Bible is exhaustive in talking about spiritual gifts. I don't believe that the lists that we have are exhaustive. If they were, why wouldn't Paul mention all of them at the same time every time he brings them up? And then also uh, uh, these spiritual gifts. You know, all these, how many of y'all, be honest because I'm going to preach against it. How many of y'all have ever taken a spiritual gift test? Well, this was a phenomenon I really went back and, and several years ago. I don't see them much anymore. And uh, they might have been helpful, I don't know, but I think they're unnecessary. I can't believe that we've been living in Christendom 2,000 years and finally need a test to figure out what we can do good, right? Say, Brother Ron, what's my spiritual gift? What do you like to do? Well, I like to cook. Well, cook for Jesus, Amen. Hallelujah, glory to God. I'm glad you got that gift. Please share it with the church. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at fixing cars. We got vans. We got people that need help. The church has, everybody in the church has cars. Somebody might need you to help them fix their car. Well, i tell you what, Brother Ron, I, I, do, I do hair. Would you talk to Matthew Langhill, please? Help him with <laughs> I'm just teasing. You just happen to be the person I looked at when I said that, Brother Matthew. What can you do? Well, I can do this, this, and this. Well, guess what? That's the gracious gifts God has given you to do. Do it. Until I figure out what my gifts are, what should I do? 
Well, he tells you to witness, tells you to read your Bible, tells you to pray, tells you to love the brethren, tells you to be faithful to church. Hey, listen, there's a lot of things you can do until you can just all figure it out. But I'm going to tell you something. If you like, well, I'll tell you what, brother, all my gift is trains. I don't know how in the world that's going to be used, but whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Choo-choo. Go on with it. <laughs> Amen? I don't know. I tell you what, kids love trains. Kids love trains. You, maybe you have a ministry with the kids to... Build you a little train set and bring it down here and maybe you can make a story about Jesus out of anything. I just get wrapped up. I'm in, a, I'm in a good mood. Let me see. Gracious ministry. Let me tell you something about spiritual gifts. Number one, this is deep. They're spiritual. Deep. That means they were given to you by God to be used spiritually. Listen. You can build a house and, and, and wonderful, you make money is a good thing. But when you build it for Christ, when you do some things, you get eternal rewards when you help somebody repair a house or build a... I had some guys built a, a ramp. I asked them to build a ramp for some people that had some need. They built a ramp. We didn't get a yahoo, thank you, or nothing from that. But I want to tell you, God will reward those fellows for building that ramp. Amen. The power of gifts, the history of gifts. They are gifts, number two. Woo! Boy, that's deep. They're gifts. I'm going to go on with this. They are unifying. They are unifying. Unifying head. Jesus is our head. We ought to be a unified body. We ought to have one spirit, one body, diversity of people in the one body, diversity of members, diversity of functions, and that's where we got to, all right? Now, I spent too much time on introducing and, and uh, uh, rehearsing, but we're going to do it. Number one, and you've got to kind of relate this to what we've already said, but I'm going to say it anyway, stay in your lane, you know? If you can't sing, don't get in the choir, that kind of thing. You know, if you can't play the piano, uh, quit playing the piano. <laughs> Talking to myself. But anyway, no, if you if you're not gonna you're not gonna do that. Listen, if you don't like children, stay out of the children's department, right? Pray for the children's department, you know, like me, from a distance. Each member is needful and important, by the way. You're here for a reason. Don't think you're not needed. You say, but nobody ever sees my gift. Nobody knows what I do. God does. Who cares if anybody else does? Amen? Matter of fact, the Bible says those are the gifts that God honors. We'll get to that in a minute. Well, matter of fact, we'll get to it right now. Look at this. Each member is needful and important. In verse 22 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, look over there if, you're, if you've marked your place there. In chapter 12 and verse 22 it says... No, no, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those that maybe don't have a lot of gifts, of multiple gifts, they're not seen a lot, they don't seem to do a lot, but they're here and they participate and they do what they can and we look at them and God bless them, they just, they just don't have much. Listen, don't you look down on the child of God. You remember they're God's, not, not yours, they're God's. How many of you don't, won't put up with people being mean to your children? I won't. I'm going to tell you something. God won't either. We need to remember that when we are mean to one another. 
Verse 23, look on and it says, And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our un, uh, unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. It'd be a bad day in this church if we didn't have someone that knew how to fix an air conditioner to be able to get someone to fix it. If we didn't have deacons that took care of this place, we would be without lights. Things that you don't see, that you don't know about. We don't think about it, but I point them out a lot. But you got Riley and Brother Joe and, then, and Brother uh, uh, Bettis back there that help us with the sound and video. And uh, thank God for them. Brother Mike's sitting back there and he's making sure that we're safe while we're all sitting here in this building. If bullets start flying through the windows, he'll be taking them first. We don't think about that. We got people in the nursery changing dirty diapers, wiping snotty noses, and keeping the kids quiet so you can enjoy the service. And we don't think about these things. People that sweep the floors and clean the bathrooms and the things like that. He talks about the, those things we think are less honorable. He talks about the unpresentable parts. And he means exactly what you think. My friend, you've got to relieve yourself. We don't like to talk about it, or we shouldn't. People seem to like to talk about it too much. Uh, we don't like to think about it, but it's necessary. What do you, where do you think you'd be if you didn't have a digestive system? And we know some people that have problems with that system. It ain't pretty. It ain't fun. It causes disease and it causes hurt. Miss Barbara could get up and tell us as a nurse about it. So you need those parts that we don't want to talk about. Hush, hush. But thank God we got them. That's what he's talking about here. Those parts that you think are unimportant. Or let's not talk about They do the dirty jobs. They do the jobs that nobody else really wants to do. Well, thank God for them. And let me tell you what God says. They will get the greater honor. The singers won't. They get the honor. Y'all get clap. Hey, look at those singers. Hey, Brother Ron, what a wonderful message. All these things that are seen, you know, and all. And we love all of that, the presentable things. Let me tell you something. God loves the unpresentable because they're necessary. And thank God we got them. And if you're one of them, don't think you're a second-class Christian. You're not. You're one of the best. You're one of the best. Hardest thing in the world, brother, is to get somebody to go out on a van and pick up little kids. You keep doing it. Think about the lives that you'll be changing and the kids that'll be saved. Nobody thinks about Brother Russell out there coming early, comes early, gets that bus ready, gets out there and goes and picks up kids and brings them back. And then he, listen, Brother Russell's going to be the last one to get home on Wednesday nights. I've never heard him complain about it yet. We don't think about that. You keep doing it. Some of y'all need to help him. Say, hey, brother, I'll help you. He needs somebody to ride with him. I don't know. You have anybody rides with you? Lane, okay, he's got his family that helps him. What, what is he like? Hey, Brother Russell, give me your list. Tell me where to go. I, I, I'll, I'll, listen, you need a rest. Let me give you a rest. 
It's a dawning, it's a dawning uh, ministry. Anyway, diversity of offices. I'm not going to go on to this. This is part of it. I didn't, but the, the church has apostles, not has, had apostles and prophets. We still have prophets. They just don't prophesy the future. They don't tell the future. They forth tell the truth. I'm prophesying this morning. I'm telling you what God has said in his word. Trying to teach us how to live for Jesus. Then third is pastors, teachers. It's basically the same thing. If a preacher can't teach, he's not a preacher, all right? It's, it's in the name, amen? That's the main purpose of a preacher is to be able to teach the Word of God. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. That We believe that's the same one, pastor, teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, then let's go on to number seven. This is number seven, diversity of offices, but number seven, diversity of gifts. Diversity of gifts. We all have, and we've talked about that. Romans 12, 6 says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. There is one of the greatest phrases in the Bible. Having then gifts, they're different. But they are given to us according to the grace of God. Not because we're good, not because God loves us more, but because of His unmerited favor, He gives everybody gifts to do His will. Let us use them. I have four or five other passages there. I'm going to skip them and get to my next part quickly. The next thing I want to talk about, and this is kind of divergent, but I want to talk about it, and that is those gifts that are no longer active. Now, this will not be on the board this is quite a lengthy deal. Uh, maybe get through with it today, maybe not. But I want to talk about gifts that are no longer active. Brother On, do you believe that all the gifts are still active? I do not. Why? Because I believe the Bible teaches they're not. And number two, they're not needed. Let me tell you why I don't believe in tongues. There's several reasons. I'll tell you why. Why I don't believe there's a gift of tongues. We don't need it. We don't need it. Do you know what the gift of tongues was for? Preaching the word in other languages. So many people are so mixed up about tongues. I tell you what, if you're a big tongue speaker, you think that tongues are for people today and still, and you buy into this, and it's just not true, this prayer language, it's a prayer language and, a, and an angelic prayer language. You read Romans 12, 13, and 14. Let's see how that, uh, I mean, be serious about studying 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to get into it a little bit here. But I don't believe in prophecies. Why? We got the book. What do I need? Well, some people need special prophecy. Why? God's their father just like he is yours. I don't need you to tell me the will of God. If I need to know the will of God, let me tell you something. God will tell me his will. He'll tell you his will. People come to Brother On and say, can you give me insight on the will of God? I can give you some insight. But don't ask Brother On what the will of God for you is. He'll tell you himself. The first gift, I think every gift is active but not in a supernatural way. Let me rephrase that. For instance, prophecy. Do I believe that there are still prophets in the church? Not necessarily. I do not believe that there are men gifted to foretell the future. 
God gives them special revelation outside of this book. If you hear that on TV, turn it to another channel. It's false prophets. False prophecy. And I don't have time to get into this a lot, but anyway... Uh, Romans 12 and verse 6, we even mentions in our deal, if prophecy, let him prophesy. And then 1 Corinthians uh, 12 verse 10 says, says to another the works of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. He's just mentioning some gifts that were active at that time. But I do not believe that God has given a special gift to foretell the future. We don't need it. We have the Word of God. But we do have prophecy in this instance of someone. Let me tell you something, Brother Matt back there. Matthew back there. Matt, not Matthew. Matthew and Matt. But look at Matt back there. Look at him. Now, don't that look like a prophet to you? You know? But he is in a way because he's one of our Sunday school teachers. And he proclaims the word of God. And he's apparently good at it. Nobody's leaving his class that I know of. And, and he, he does. Matthew teaches our young people. And, and Tim teaches. Listen, we got teachers. They are in essence prophesying, forth-telling the word of God. Amen. Nothing new. God doesn't give them special revelation. But they do have this revelation God's given to all of us. So in that way, the gift of prophecy is still active. Before Scripture, it could be supernatural. God spoke to men directly the message He wanted to give. Prophets were only raised up at the times God wanted to confirm His Word that would become Scripture. When God was finished writing Scripture in the Old Testament, guess what? Prophets ceased. Prophets today are unneeded. We have the Word of God. I saw one time a friend who's gone radically charismatic have a live stream of his church service with a guest speaker, and this is how the guest speaker was introduced, Prophet John Smith. Now, that wasn't his real name. What is this? Well, I don't think that he was referring to his simple proclamation of the New Testament. So what it, what, what it was was ignorance. I had a friend that believed in prophecy and God had prophesied over her family this and that and this and thus and that and this and that. I want to tell you, it never came true. So we need to find that dude and stone him to death because that's what they'd have done in the Old Testament, wouldn't they? He was a false prophet. Well, anybody says they can foretell the future from God right now, I guarantee you they're a false prophet. We don't believe that. Then there's the words of wisdom 1 Corinthians 12, 8, it mentions, for one is given the word of wisdom. Let me tell you something. Let me read a, a, a commentator to you. Let me read this to you. This is a good one. This is a good commentator. He says in his commentary on this, don't look at some of your uh, uh, study Bibles. You may be reading it word for word with me. The word, word indicates a speaking gift. In the New Testament, wisdom is most often used of the ability to understand God's word and his will and to skillfully apply that understanding to life. Duh. Duh. I mean, there's not much information there. And this tells us three things. Number one, no one really knows what this gift is. 
I mean, you've seen Pat Robson on TV. He'll be praying, I see someone with the cancer in their toe, and God's taking that away. He says that's a word of wisdom. I think that's a word of foolishness is what that is. God hadn't given him that gift. Again, let me tell you something. If you doubt that, oh, I believe in healings, I believe in miracles, then why aren't you at the hospital? Why doesn't Benny Hinn have a hospital ministry? Why is it the, these faith healers walking up and down the halls of hospitals and healing people that really need it? Because they're charlatans. They're fake. They're phony. Words of wisdom. Nobody knows what it is. As a matter of fact, we see here that this commentator is even struggling to explain what it is. Why? Because that's all the information we have about it. Words of wisdom. Now, somebody thinks it was supernatural words of wisdom. It may have been, but we don't need supernatural words of wisdom anymore. If you're not going to be diligent and study the Word of God, God's not going to give you wisdom. This is all the wisdom of God right here. We don't need someone to tell us the wisdom of God. He's completed it in His Word. Say amen. Okay? Now, uh, knowledge, words of knowledge. Again, no one knows what this refers to. We don't even know what it is, let alone how to use it. Maybe it's special knowledge, knowledge that was given supernaturally. We don't, need, we don't need any knowledge of how to do church or what to do. We have it right here. Now, does God move? Does God have providence where he moves us one place or does something? Yes, that happens all the time. It's not supernatural. Miracles are not providence. Providence is not miracles. I woke up, just happened to wake up. I smelled smoke, went in the living room, and the house was on fire. It's a miracle. No, it's not a miracle. It's providence. It's not providence. I could have woke you up. Healings. Again, do I think God heals? He does it every time I get sick. Amen. God heals. But you know this, that eventually everybody dies. Is that because of lack of faith? No, it's because of the curse of sin. Let me ask you this. Do you want to live forever in that body you're living in? No, my friend. This corruption must die so that this corruptible one day will put on incorruption. So, no. Anyway, I'm going to go on uh, with this. I'm going to skip a lot of this. Miracles. We don't need miracles. Although I think God can do healings, God can do miracles, but I don't believe in miracle workers. I don't believe in miracle workers. Again, if there were miracle workers and they had the heart of God, they wouldn't be in an arena charging you up to $500 a seat. They'd be in the hospital for free healing the sick. And I believe in healing... And I say this all the time. I think it's hilarious, but uh, you be the judge of this. Until I see a 150-year-old Pentecostal, I'm not going to believe in your healing and miracles. Sounds like to me charismatics are dying at the same age rate as Baptists. Discernment. 
What is that with a gift of discernment? Well, that's not necessarily supernatural, but God used to give supernatural discernment to tell what's right or wrong because we didn't have the Bible to tell us. Now we have this book. You know why the church lacks discernment? Because they lack the study of this book. If a church does. Now, does it still exist? Yes, but not supernaturally. Okay, here it is. Okay. Supernatural interpretation of tongues. Somebody has a gift of tongues, and God gives somebody else (coughs) the ability to interpret those tongues. Is that still possible today? No. I don't believe so. Oh, no, no, wait. Yeah, it's possible. God can do whatever He wants to. Does it happen? No, it doesn't happen anymore. Why? Because the gift of tongues has ceased. It's gone away. We don't need it. Its usefulness and what God intended for it has passed away. Read 1 Corinthians 14. You'll find that out. But why did you need someone in the church to interpret tongues? Because everybody'd come in, you're in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria, you're somewhere over there in the Middle East, and some would come in from Africa and Europe and Rome and other places, Greek speakers, uh, Hebrew speakers, African speakers, and sometimes people couldn't understand what was going on, and then you had to witness Acts 2. I don't know how in the world they do it. They just totally ignore a charismatic Pentecostals, totally ignore Acts 2, that the Bible clearly shows that the tongues of Acts chapter 2 are known human languages. You say, Brother Ron, do you believe in unknown tongues? No, the Bible never speaks of unknown tongues. Does that surprise you? The words are never there. Unknown tongues, and I'll get to that in a minute. But if you had someone who God had given the supernatural ability to speak Spanish without ever studying it, and they stood up in the middle of your service and started speaking and preaching in Spanish and testifying Spanish, people think you're crazy. Why? Because we don't speak Spanish around here. Right? And so Paul said, now listen. You go to a Pentecostal church or to a charismatic church and see if they're doing this. He said if there is anybody, and one at a time, only one at a time was to do it, and only men, why? Because it was a preaching of the word. One at a time, only men were to do it in order, but no one was to speak in tongues unless there was someone there to interpret how many times I've been in some of their services and somebody just gets up, blah, 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 I got a key to my Honda, see me in a bow tie. And that's it. No interpreter. You know what the Bible says? You should have kept your mouth quiet. By the way, that's not even tongues, that's gibberish. Tongues was known language. That's what the word tongue meant, was language. He even gets specific and talks about dialects of language. So you don't need interpreters if there's no such thing as tongues. And I don't believe we have that anymore. There's no way in the world. Look, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And look down at verse 21. In the law it is written... In the Old Testament, it is written, with men of other tongues. I want you to quit saying tongues there. Just do it as a 
some, even some translations do, and say, with men of other languages. That's it. Men of other languages. Men of other languages and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet for all that, they will not hear me. So there we go. This is the reason for tongue, the Bible says, is to be a sign to the Jews. To try for them to see this supernatural act that they're hearing men who don't speak their language speaking their language and cause them to see the wonder of God and repent. But you know what it did? It hardened them even further. Look at verse 22. Therefore tongues, languages, are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying, preaching, teaching, witnessing... Testifying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. In other words, why do you need to speak in tongues in church when everybody's a believer? And the only time you'd have somebody in the church to speak in a tongue, if there was somebody in that building that they had the ability to speak their language so that they could hear the truth of God's word. Get it? I know this is boring. This ain't clap happy, jump the pew. But you need to know this because you're going to have fellow workers and all and they're going to challenge you on this. My friend, there's no such thing as an angelic language that you can learn and get closer to God and, and be slain in the Spirit. The Bible says the Spirit quickens. It doesn't slay. Tongues. Let's get to the very gift of it. Look at verse 10, chapter 12, verse 10. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirit. To another, different kinds of tongues. To others, the interpretation of tongues. The early church fathers testified that these mysterious, miraculous gifts had died out by the time of the end of the apostles' ministry. Why? Because they had the word. They didn't need them anymore. They didn't need them. Look at verse 28. Chapter 12, verse 28. For God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, teachers, after that, miracles and gifts of healing, helps, administration, variety of tongues. My friend, it's the one focused on on these churches, and yet the Bible says it's the least of all the gifts. Why? Because you rarely go somewhere where people don't speak the language that you're at. Now, you say, Brother On, you said there was no such thing as unknown tongue. Well, if you have a King James Version... Now, I love the King James Version. I do. I think it's a great, great translation. It's just out of date. The wording and stuff is out of date, and it's not the way we talk. But it is an accurate translation. But all of them, I think, make little mistakes here and there. And here's one of the biggest ones the King James Version makes. Look at verse 1 of chapter 14. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may testify, prophesy, preach, teach the word. For he who speaks in a... Anybody got a King James Version? What does it say, Mickey? Unknown Unknown tongue does not speak to men but to God. In other words... If the unknown, he says, if it's not known by the people in the place, he's not speaking to anybody but God. He's not doing anybody any good. He's not commending these people for their tongue talking. He's getting on to them. He said, you're wasting our time. We can't understand you. By the way, 
Notice in your King James Version, the word unknown is italicized. Everybody else's Bible, the word isn't even there, is it? You say, why, Brother Ron? Because that word, anytime you see an italicized word in the Bible, that usually means it was added for clarity. But in this place, it has caused the greatest divide among these last two century people. Unknown, mysterious, it's unknown. And anytime he uses it in the singular, they use the unknown. And anytime they use it in the plural, they don't use unknown. I don't know why that is. MacArthur has some reasons. I don't want to get into them. I just don't think they should have added that word. They added a word to the word of God. Nowhere does the Bible say unknown tongues. It's just languages. Just tongues, just languages. The supernatural ability for me to be able to speak Swahili. You know what that would be? A miracle. I don't even know the first word of a Swahili. Matter of fact, some people believe I don't know English all that well. But what's the point? The point is this. We're, we've got to finish here. The point is this, is that these gifts have passed away. We don't need them. You know why we don't need them? We have the Word of God. By the way, you say, well, tongues was a gift given to edify yourself. Okay, look at verse 14, chapter 14. Verse 2, for he who speaks in a language does not speak to men but to God. Why? Because if you're speaking Spanish, I don't understand what the word you're talking about. If you come into a church where they don't speak Spanish, but you have the gift to speak Spanish, you can still do it. But what's the use is what he's saying. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. You ought to speak in a language. You ought to prophesy in a language that everybody knows. He who speaks in a tongue, now listen, and they take this and run with it, edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. He is not saying that tongues is for the edification of yourself. What he's saying is, you not head, you're not doing anybody any good except yourself. And... All spiritual gifts, as we'll see next week, all of them are for the edification of the whole body.